0: Hang on. All right. All right. Let's show off this special guest one more time for the camera. Cause that is too good. <laughs> Dude. Like if you would tell me that one fighter on the two, four, seven roster has a pet raccoon, I would guess it on the first try. percent.
1: <laughs> That's beautiful. What's its name? Uh, her name's Ivy. Um, we rescued her when she was about three weeks old. That. She, uh, amazing she was at a, uh, a sawmill a my uncle worked at and uh she was she rode in on a uh, log truck What happened she rode in on a log truck and a hollow log and her mom wasn't there and they was getting ready to put the the log up the saw it in the mill and she come crawling out of it that's crazy so was
0: there any hesitation or were you just like yeah i'm gonna take that raccoon home
1: uh, I actually, I had one last year I raised, I rescued, it was a baby, mother was hit on the road, I raised it for almost a year, me and uh, Kaylee raised it for almost a year, and once she got old enough in time, she went, took off, that's normally how we do it, you know what I mean, I just, I'm not going to keep her from her life, but we let her outside, she comes and goes as she pleases, and uh, she can pretty much do whatever she wants, and best you know best I mean? best. She, if she wants to leave now, she can leave now, but This one, this one here seems pretty attached to people or the other one wasn't near as uh, near as friendly or as into people as much
0: as this one is. Yeah. So you can like, you can just let Ivy outside and she'll just roam around
1: and then come back. Yeah. So she will like let her outside and she'll like go underneath the porch for a while, Mm. play around and then she'll run around. If the dogs are outside, she kind of hangs around with the dogs. But uh, yeah, she's, she does, you know, pretty good for the most part.
0: I mean, obviously, super friendly. You're there picking her up, holding her. Is it kind of like a
1: dog or a cat? Like, what would you describe it as? They're like the worst pet you could ever have. (laughs) Like, they get into everything. Like, they literally like in your cupboards, in there. They just like, and they're so, they're so destructive. They're just curious on what they're doing. And they they got
0: hands, like legit hands.
1: Yeah, they actually have thumbs where they grab shit. Like, she and they're so intelligent. Like, they know where things are at. Like, I just had to fight her over a bag of chips there a little bit ago. You know, because she, she apparently likes Middlesworth barbecue chips better than I do. So. And if you don't give them what they want, they get, like, grumpy with you. You know what I mean? They're very – they don't like to share. They're very, like – you know they want what they want basically they don't live with you you live with them sure well i'm happy to hear that ivy has excellent
0: taste because middlesworth barbecue are without a doubt the best chips on planet Earth. absolutely best chips there ever was made dude i'm out obviously i live out in pittsburgh now but i'm from central pa Uh, i'm from mcconnellsburg fulton county
1: oh okay you're from yeah i'm i spend some time down in mcconnellsburg with work and stuff like that yeah. Nice.
0: So that's, that's, I went to McConnellsburg high school and everything and I miss Middlesworth out here in Pittsburgh, dude. When we come back and visit, I'm always bringing some back with me, just loading up the car with Middlesworth. I freaking miss yeah. those things.
1: Yeah. They're awesome. Greatest chip ever made.
0: So the real question though, is, are you a kettle cooked barbecue ridges, barbecue party style, or just the traditional straight up?
1: Um, I like the kettle cook, but the, the, just a the traditional, you know, Middlesworth barbecue are my favorite. Um, I'll eat the kettle though. I mean, they're they're a second place for me. That's so a good play. So We gotta nasty. get. You. Um, in my family bloodline, my been my great great grandfather was married to a Middlesworth. who was you know, part of right. the Middlesworth family. Now I don't get no kickback from that. But
0: <laughs> <laughs> so the love of Middlesworth is literally in your blood. Yes, it's it runs deep in the bloodline. That's beautiful. We need to get you a Middlesworth sponsorship, dude. How can we make this happen? I would love to. If, you know, yeah, yeah, well, I knew how to knew how to make that happen. I don't know. I feel like this is the seed. Like we're gonna plant it here, and then the next time you come out, you'll be in Middlesworth shorts and shit. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, dude. But hey, man, like like we said, kind of through text, it's crazy that we've never officially talked before. Obviously, you've been on my radar for a very long time. You know, it's funny because you're only, I think, 29 years old still. I want to say you're in that range. You're kind of one of the OGs of the Pittsburgh MMA scene. Nonetheless, like I think Kama Worthy started, I want to say 2009, Cherico, maybe 2008 you weren't too far after them. Like as far as guys that were on the scene, you were right around that same time. You started super young. How have you kind of, yeah, there you go, 2012. So just a couple years after like Kama started his amateur career. But how have you kind of seen the Pittsburgh scene changing and stuff from then until where you
1: are now? Um, You know, back then there was a lot of, uh, you know, when I was first getting started, I was first new to it. I mean, it seemed like Pinnacle was putting on the shows. Pinnacle just started then. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of shows going on, you know what I mean? So and I kind of, you know, I had a little bit of a home there with Pinnacle. I fought for their amateur championship twice. Um, what earned me earned me the respect with them was I fought as an amateur. I fought in Altoona on November 16th of 2013, I think. And I got a text an hour after the win, I won that night, and I got a text an hour later, not even an hour later, congratulating me from the matchmaker from Pinnacle, and they were trying to book somebody to fight Richie Cantalina. and they said, it's for a belt if you're interested. Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, all right, you got your fight. So I fought um, November 16th in Altoona, and then went to Pittsburgh on November 26th, the day before Thanksgiving, and fought Richie Cantalina for the belt. And him and I ended up putting on the amateur fight of the year that night. So, and that was kind of what put me on the radar in the Pittsburgh scene. That was what gave me a lot of fans. and You know, people were kind of excited to see me fight and stuff then, because at the time, you know, I was an outsider. I think I fought for Pinnacle once before that, but I was an outsider coming in and, you know what I mean? Wasn't the hometown guy and, but I wasn't coming from too far away. And, but uh, then it went, then it went stale for a while. I mean, Gladiator's of cage was around. I fought for them once or twice. I don't remember twice. I fought for them twice. Um, and then it kind of went stale and everything dried up and nothing was going on. And, uh, so then I had to start, you know, I started going to other places, fought, fought in Ohio, fought in Lancaster, um, you know, down Harrisburg area. And, uh, then all of a sudden Ryan come back, you know what I mean? Ryan and, and, uh, lay shock got together put on another pinnacle show. I unfortunately wasn't able to be on it cause I, uh, I was supposed to be on it, but I ended up getting injured three weeks before the camp or before the fight. And I had to pull out, um, but you know now Ryan started his own promotion, and I kind of I kind of helped Ryan out a little bit there with that. I helped find him a cage, and you know what I mean, all the stuff for the the old El Tuna promotion. And uh, now it's booming again. You know what I mean? They're putting on shows, you know, three four shows a year. You know, so everything's up and running again. So yeah. you seen it, you seen it boom, you have seen it fall, and now you're seeing the rebirth. You know what I mean? So it's kind of cool in that sense. Yeah, man, you've
0: been around for it all. You like, we, we can't get rid of you through all of these changes. You know, there's still Ethan Goss through there. And it's funny because Ryan, Ryan probably won't like me saying this because I know how you guys' relationship is, but he thinks the world of you, man. He always speaks super highly of you. And I know he appreciates everything you've done and fighting for 247 and everything. What is it that excites you currently, man? Because like we said, you know, you've been fighting for coming up on 10 years like it's crazy to say that you've been fighting for 10 years coming up but it seems like you're only just now really starting to find yourself inside the cage and stringing together a couple wins now coming off back-to-back wins
1: what is clicking right now for you in your career um you know first off I feel like I'm just I'm just entering my prime um I started young I started at 20 years old you know and I wish I still had the the young like body when it comes to you know bumps and bruises and injuries and all that stuff but uh you know as far as like becoming a complete martial artist you know and becoming and understanding the game and understanding how things work um i'm definitely you know at the beginning of my prime right now um it's it's been a long journey you know there's been a lot of ups and there's been damn near just as many downs you know i've, I've fought a lot of fights that you know i've lost a lot i should have won and i've i've squeaked through some that i should have dominated you know what i mean it's just it's part of the journey you know i wouldn't change it for nothing either you know every every loss that i've had showed me something um you know it's exciting now because one of my main goals was uh when i I first got into it was to i wanted to fight at the bryce jordan center which was you know in state college right here my my hometown and uh I knew in order to do that, I was going to have to do it. I was going to have to make a big, big show to do it. And uh, luckily Bellator came to town and ended up getting signed and going there. So I checked off that goal off the bat. And uh, the next goal for me is to become a world champion. Um, You know, there's 99% of people in the world and 1% fights and then 1% fights one time and doesn't ever fight again. And then, you know, and then you got guys that keep going and, and it just the scale keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And the, the ones that are able to earn a championship as a professional athlete, you know, that's a very, very, very slim to none. You know, not not too many people can do it. But uh, for a kid coming from the sticks here in Petersburg, Pennsylvania, I don't think it's too bad. But uh, that's my main goal. That's my main motivation right now. Um, you know, I called for it after the the win over pseudo. Um, but. You know, and and Ryan already gave me a shot once, um, and I I screwed it up. Didn't show up mentally for that fight with De Jesus. and uh, but now I, I feel like I got things figured out, and I feel like I got things clicking. Like um, by far, a lot of people said to me that the the pseudo fight was the best I've ever looked, and uh, Ryan sent us a clip, and I went back and watched it, and uh, you know I watched it a couple of times, and it was by by far the best I've ever. You know, performed inside the cage, just everything come together, and and that's all. That's all coaching. You know, that's all the coaches that we got at Gorilla House. That's, uh, you know, Darren Cassidy, Ray Ross. Um, you know, we got other boxing coaches like Tommy Will. We got another kickboxing coach, Kirk, um, and then guys like me. I help coach, and Cam guy, He helps coach too. Like Cam will help coach me. You know, if I'm doing something, he see something while I'm sparring or something. He helps out too. So um, we're just like I said, we're like one big tight unit and everybody clicks and everybody gets along and everybody, everybody seems to get things done. So.
0: Yeah. I love that you mentioned that fight. Obviously I was there in Johnstown and man, that was for me, the fight of the night for sure. You know, I told Ryan the same thing. It was just an amazing fight. And I think those guys, you know, Sudo and his gym, you know, Sean Souser made a splash, his teammate made a splash at the previous fight, two, four, seven fight card. That gym is definitely coming up. You know, they've got some killers there. And I think, Sue, though, you could tell he was super polished everywhere the fight went. It seemed like he was down. He was game. He was technical everywhere the fight (laughs) went. And you are known as more of a grinding, scrappy fighter. But what impressed me so much there was that you met him with the, the technical aspects of the fight game. It was by far the most polished I've ever seen you look. Are you exclusively at Gorilla House right now? Or are you cross training anywhere, or what is your regimen?
1: Um, mainly at Gorilla House. They just opened American Top Team in State College. Um, I was there once so far. Um, I uh, I have you know a lot of a lot of ties with other people, but uh, you know I spent a lot of time at uh, these last, two, especially these last two camps. And I think this was a big help in it too. Um, but I spent a lot of time at uh, the Matt Factory down with Isaac Greeley and those guys. Um, we would go down on Sundays and train there. Uh, like I said, I have to the American Top Team once. Uh, the week before this last fight, I was out at Kama uh, Worthy's gym. You know, I got some sparring in with him and Jesus and Chaka. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, got, got some working with those guys out there. And, uh, you know, so I'll, I'll travel, you know, especially when I'm in camp, I'll travel to get some work. Because being in Altoona, you know, you're kind of the big, like at the level that I'm at and I don't mean this in in an arrogant way or anything, but I'm kind of like a big fish in a little pond. You know what I mean? Like we have competitive goes, like Cam and I have competitive goes and Sheldon and I have competitive goes, but we also see each other, you know, every day of the week, you know, so going out of town and stuff, you know, making them them little trips to to get some work, you know, it kind of helps out, you know, seeing you getting different looks and stuff. And uh, Isaac's been, I can't say, you know, anything more great about Isaac than anyone's already said. I mean, Isaac is just a an absolute amazing human being. Um, he basically accepts us, you know, as like his own team and uh, works with us and helps me, you know what I mean? Like, I and he probably doesn't even, like, realize it, but, like, you know, I, like I said, I struggled mentally in the fight with Jesus, and then I dropped the one against Hayes, and that was more or less me, like, fighting stupidly i tried to tried to push things too early before i was in the groove of stuff and uh you know i was talking to i i think it was the fight with before gaffney you when know, i was out there at isaac's gym and he just looks at me and he's like he's like you're a fucking savage he's like you just live for this shit don't you you just live for this shit and like i said he probably doesn't even realize this till maybe he hears this interview but like that was what clicked in my head you know what i mean like when i was getting ready for them last two fights i was like man i'm a, I'm a fucking savage. You know what I mean? When I get in that ring, I'm a savage, you know, that's exactly what I am. And I'm going to put on a savage performance. When loser draw, I'm going to be there. Like I'm a, I'm a savage, you know? And, and since then it just like, you know what I mean? Things clicked, you know, I kind of had that mentality going in. Like, I don't, I don't care how good the guy is The guy that guy's a savage, but I'm a savage. You know? So since, since he, you know, he, he really helped me out there. Like I said, he probably didn't even realize it, but, and then as far as his technical coaching goes, he's just, He's one of the best, hands down best grapplers I've ever even trained with or worked out with before. But yeah, um, to have, you know, have them kind of relationships with other gyms and stuff. I pretty much already fought everybody Pittsburgh has. So uh, throughout my whole career, it was all it was was fighting Pittsburgh guys, and every one of them sons of bitches are tough, man. <laughs>
0: That's hilarious, man. I love it. And you're, you're dead on with Isaac. You know, that's what anybody would have to say about Isaac. I've never heard a bad word about the man. And that's just a testament to who he is. I think as a person and as a coach, because he doesn't really separate who he is as a person from who he is as a coach, which I think is probably what makes him so special. He just genuinely is that kind of stand up guy that cares about all of his guys. And like you said, you not necessarily being a Matt factory guy, but he still kind of considers you that when you come up there, Mm -hmm to train. So that that's freaking huge man and you talk about being a savage. I need you to break down the slam that we posted. You know, I made that little collage because when that happened, dude, I'm sitting cage side like I could literally feel that cage side when it happened. I it was one of those it was a slam that as it was happening, I couldn't believe it was happening. I'm like there's no way that this is about to happen right in front of me. Like what what's going through your head there? Was this is this something you ever drilled or was this a spur of the moment like I'm just going to pick this dude up?
1: Well, I, so I knew the way he kicked, like he, you know, cause he, he kind of didn't really turn over his kicks. He kind of throws them upright a little bit. And I knew the way that he kicked that he, they was able to be caught. And you can see in the fight, like I was trying to catch him. Some of the times there was a couple of times where I was making a mistake and reaching too low, but, uh, he, in that third round, you know, he got the first couple I blocked, you know, off the arm in the first round and stuff, but that's just a matter of, you know, finding the timing on it. Um, you know by then, by in the third round, I it had his timing. Um, but I caught the kick and I went to come forward and I went to elevate and try to kick his other leg out from underneath him. Well, when I elevated and went to kick, he jumped like to hop over it, and I just had my hand up like on his opposite shoulder, like close to it. And and yeah, clip you put together. It literally looks like I undertaker choke slammed him. (laughs) It looks like I just picked him up and choke slammed him, but I hadn't, when he jumped, I just went with him. You know what I mean? I put my hand on his shoulder around his neck, wherever it was. And I just went with him. And I thought, I thought maybe he was going to catch himself a little bit. It wasn't until he hit flat on his back and his head flew back. I was like, damn, I don't have to look good. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I've, I'm all the time catching kicks it it can be a bad habit you know what I mean if you if you reach for them and stuff like and and I know when we train with Darren a lot like if we're flow sparring and you catch a kick you get yelled at like stop catching half-speed kicks we're gonna throw them hard you know what I mean but uh yeah so in that sense like I, I mean I've been catching kicks for a long time you know if you if I got the timing down on them and where it's at um but I've taken you know I've landed a lot of takedowns by that catching kicks or you know shooting in under a double when you do catch one but that was the first one that I really like hit some big kind of god-awful slam off of. But, uh, that I mean, who you knows? That could even been the seal, the one that sealed the deal for the fight because obviously it was, it was a close fight. Like I said, I watched it back a couple of times, and I do feel that I won. Um, I knew we were one-on-one going into the third. Now, after watching the fight back, I didn't realize round two was as close as it was because if you literally watch it and watch the time, at like two minutes and 40 seconds is when he takes me down. But before that whole takedown series, I was controlling everything on the feet. I had backed up against the cage, pinned him up against the cage. Like I was in control of the round until he got the takedown. Um, as far as his takedown and his wrestling and grappling, that was where he surprised me the most um, because he was a t- he's a tie guy, he's a striker. Um, so, and I think this was kind of what Darren said, you know, in his eyes, what wanted me to fight was I made him change his whole entire game plan, you know, halfway through that second round. You know, once he – he wanted to then become a grappler and a wrestler and be a grinder instead of wanting to stick it out on the feet and strike um, because I was I was controlling, you know, the, the striking portion of the fight. I was the one landing the shots. I was the one – I had did a little bit more damage than he did. I didn't really have any marks on my face. You know, I knew he was starting to swell up around his eye and stuff kind of early, but, um, you know, it it uh, it changed the way he wanted to fight. You know, and it surprised me and also on my fault on my end was I I did not prepare much as much as I should have in the wrestling and the grappling area because I know I could have done better there. I mean, that's more of my area, wrestling, grappling. And uh, you know, I should have prepared a little bit better for that. I wasn't I didn't anticipate him being as good as he was there, and that was my fault. But uh, all in all we got to win, you know, and the kid, like I said, like you said about him, man, he's a tough tough kid, and we knew that coming in. You know, I knew he was 4-1. Uh, he had just one loss at Bellator, and, uh, you know, he had a tough fight against a top kid, and, uh, you know, we, we prepared for three hard rounds for him, and uh, like you said, he comes from a great gym with that uh, Sean Susser, um, Tucker Lutz, who's in the UFC. Uh, there's another kid, Jesse Stern, who's in PFL. You know, and he's got it, and their, their gym is huge. He's got a room full of killers, but you know, like I said, we're killers at Gorilla House too. So yeah, it's
0: interesting. It's one of those fights to me that in my eyes, like neither of you guys lost. You know, as cliche as cliche as that is to say, you watch what both of you did, it was clear that it was it was worthy of the split decision that it got. Yeah. You know, that's a totally fair decision. If if he would have got the split decision, I wouldn't feel like you got robbed. Since yeah. you got it, I don't feel like he got robbed, nothing like that. But how are you able – because you said, like, when you watched it back, you didn't realize how close round two was. When you're mid-fight, when you're in the zone, when you're going into round three, what are you thinking? Does it feel like, oh, I, I need to finish this, or it feels like I'm ahead? Like, how do you kind of gauge how you're doing in the fight, mid-fight? Because I know that's something that's so hard for fighters to do.
1: No. Um, so, I, like, I remember sitting on a stool. I remember Ray and Darren saying, you're one-on-one. You know, you had first, you had second. You're one-on-one going into the third. You need the third round. So basically at that point, I knew where I was having my success and I knew where he was having his. And uh, so we come out, you know, and my whole, my whole entire game plan for this fight was, you know, he's a tie guy and you kill a tie guy with footwork. So our big thing was keep our feet moving. And if you could hear Coach Darren, which he's loud as hell in the corner, he would yell thousand one thousand two. Well, if my feet were planted, when he, when I heard him start to yell 1,000, 1,000, that meant step.
0: Mm-hmm. You know what
1: I mean? So I'd step one way or another or whatever. It was just keep my feet moving. Um, second was, you know, put combinations together and be on balance and don't run through the combinations. So I did not want to run through. I didn't want to rush through the combos and short myself. Um, like for a perfect example, I had, I had a two uh, left high hand right body shot rear high kick and I remember thinking and right before doing it I was like no don't run through this don't throw the left hand like try to hurry up and get the right to the body and then throw wing the kick high like just set it up and uh, be basically be patient but be fast at the same time but like I said I knew where I was having success and it was mainly on the feet um you know I was just I had the range I had the timing and that was that was really the plan and I I kind of knew that he was going to try to push me against the cage um as far as that takedown he got in the second, that was, like, I never, ever, ever thought that kid was going to shoot, ever. And after watching it back, it was, like, such a – not to take anything away from him, but it was such a bad shot, and it was such a bad reaction on my part. And I'm like, ah, oh, I can't believe I got taken down with that. <laughs> but, uh you know, all in all, like, I knew I knew the fight was wearing down, and we were getting down to the end, and he had, like, control, but I was, like, he was pushing me against the fence, but I knew, like, I just got to keep working. You know, if I'm here, I got to keep working. So, I was always throwing a lot of shots. I landed a nasty knee in the in a body. I think he threw a knee, and I countered with a knee. And, I mean, I hit him hard, and he didn't even make a grunt. And I know I hit him straight in the sternum with it hard. Oh, so I knew the kid was, you know, it's like, man, we ain't going to get him out of here. So... I knew we were coming down to the wire and it was like the last 20 or 15 seconds. It was like, okay, go for broke. And uh, that was another big part of re-watching the fight. It looked like I was going for the kill, more or less I was going to looking for the finish where it kind of seemed to me like he looked like he was more going to coast. You know, he was looking to try to hold against the fence or try to coast out the wind where I was trying to push the finish. I knew I was tired, so I knew he was really tired. Because, like I said, i said it before multiple times, if I'm tired, I can't imagine what you're feeling. Because I know how I know how good a shape I'm in for this. So, if I'm tired, I can't imagine how you're feeling. I definitely felt like I had a little bit more of the, the stand, especially in the third round. I was a fresher guy. Um, but, like I said, all in all, amazing fight. Um, great for the crowd. Great for the promotion. You know, Ryan said to me that it was the best fight in promotion history. And I'll tell this, where I'm sure – it hasn't been put out there, not too many people know. Um, but when we went to the back, Ryan met me in the hallway with a cash bonus and handed me cash money and took cash money over to Sue though because we had fight of the night. Uh, he said, and because it was, you know, the best fight that he's seen in promotion history so far, most technical, you know, best professional fight he's seen other than some like knockout, drag out, you know, brawls and amateurs. But, um, you know, he come in the back, pulled it out of his own pocket. You know what I mean? Handed me cash, handed pseudo cash, so it tells you what kind of promotion they are. You know what I mean? Because no regional fights really do that. You know what I mean? They don't offer you bonuses or performance bonuses or anything like that. But uh, so props to Ryan, props to Jim, props to promotion for doing something like that. So all you other fighters who fight on these cards, man. And- and extra money's there. <laughs> you just got to earn it, man. That's awesome. That That's
0: cool to hear. And I've heard that from a lot of fighters, you know, knowing that you guys get a cut of the pay-per-view sales as well. That's pretty, that's kind of unheard of on this level. Yeah. You know, that's, it's just one of those things that they do that kind of goes above and beyond. But uh, you you mentioned another thing that I thought was super interesting, you know, just thinking about the scope of your career, how long you've been in it and how you're just now hitting your prime in your eyes, is there a value because I feel like a lot of people from the outside looking in, if they've never heard of you, the first thing they're going to do is just go to your topology and they're going to see, oh, he's seven and six. He's, he's you know, whatever. He's a journeyman on the regional level. But is there a value in your eyes of having all the experience you have just as you're hitting your prime? You know, you don't see many guys. With your level of fight, the amount of fights you've had and the kind of fights you've had, as you alluded to, all the way back to the amateurs, man, those two fights with Richie Cantolina were epic. Like you said, those were amazing fights. Like most guys don't have that experience and the level of experience. Like you said, you fought in Bellator already. You just had the best fight in 247 fighting history. Is there a value to building up all that experience and then just now you're hitting your prime?
1: Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think a big factor for me is like, yes, I'm seven and six. Yes. As an amateur, I was seven and six or six and five or something like that as an amateur, but look at who I've fought, you know what I mean? Compared to a lot of these guys and who they, who they've, you know, went after and who they fought and they competed against. Um, I mean, I was literally knocking down the door to fight the best of the best of the best. And, uh, you know, as an amateur, it was rigged from Richie Cantalina to the number one ranked kid in the nation, Darrell Hodge. And after Darrell Hodge, it was an undefeated kid with all first-round finishes in Toledo, Ohio. You know what I mean? So I'm literally knocking down the door to fight these tough guys. Uh, you know, and was a turn pro, I was like, oh, I want to be a little bit pickier a little bit, but it just doesn't seem like that's in me. Um, you know, I just, I just always end up getting, you know, I've fought a lot of Bellator veterans. Um, you know, the, my knockout win over Scyther was Bellator, uh, the, 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 45 second submission over Dustin Kent, he was in Bellator. You know what I mean? I thought just as far as the experience goes, it's the experience that I have against elite level guys, you know what I mean? And I've said it time and time again, when I'm at my best, when I'm on my best day, there isn't anybody in the world that I don't think I can't hang with. I might not, I might not have a dominant performance. I'm like, I'm, I may, I maybe can't go out and like trash somebody like Max Holloway, but I can hang in there with them for, you know what I mean? To, for an extent. Um, and I think, you know, as I get older, you know, as I get wiser to the game a little bit, and like I said, you, as you get older, you just kind of become a, a complete martial artist. You just understand the game. And uh, you know, as I get older and the, and the value to that is just, you know, it just, everything's just clicking. You know what I mean? i I'm, everything's coming together i'm picking things up i'm understanding things i'm understanding like when darren's coaching i can understand what exactly what darren's saying we kind of have a joke at the gym because he'll coach and these the other day, the amateur kids and stuff they don't get it they don't get it i'm like hold on so i explain it to him i was like darren so you gotta like i know what you mean but i gotta dumb it down for them to understand because they don't understand it like well, you and i understand it <laughs> so but it was just because I've been there, you know what I mean? I just right. I didn't feel like it was too long ago where I was a kid, like, uh, you know, I don't, I don't get it. But, uh, you know, definitely, I think, like I said, I just think the big factor is, you know, the, the level of competition that I've competed against, not only as a pro, but as, as my whole entire amateur career, because I, like I said, I fought the best of the best that this region's had to offer. And I, I won, won a few and I've lost a few, you know what I mean? But that's just part of the journey. Yeah,
0: absolutely, man. And I absolutely love something you said there because this, this goes for a lot of professions. I think, you know, I hear guitar players say this all the time when they teach somebody else guitar, it actually makes them a better guitar player just by teaching. It helps them understand the instrument. Do you find that happening for you now as a martial artist that you've assumed this kind of veteran presence, like you just said, dumbing down things for some of the Mm -hmm. amateurs, helping them learn, turning into a coach as you're still fighting, you know, it's a really interesting dynamic for you because It seems like, you know, maybe you should just be focused on your professional career and be selfish, focus on your growth, but that's not who you are. And like, you're always giving back to your teammates, helping teach them as well. Do you find that when you're teaching them, you're actually learning more simultaneously?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, like when you're teaching, you know what I mean? You got to have all your, your ducks in a row, you know what I mean? So I can't show these guys something that's just way out of whack. You know, so I got to know that I got to have my feet in the right position. Or I got to have my hands in the right position or I'm throwing the, the, you know, the combination or doing the, doing the takedown. Right. Um, so it, it helps you keep everything of yours in check to begin with. Um, so it's definitely a big help, you know, for technique wise, you know, it helps you, you know, on, and, and helps you understand the technique too. Um, as far as like, you know, not being selfish like that's just to me. You know, that's one of the big major goals of success is giving back. Um, you know, I've had a lot of coaches. You know, I mean, I've had a lot of people do way above and beyond things for me. You know, that they didn't have to do or shouldn't have had to done. And uh, I feel like, you know, any chance I got to give back, I'm going to give it back. So whether I'm working with Cam or I'm working with Sydney or I'm working with Sheldon or Big Dan or even Jordan or Caden. You know what I mean if I if there's something that I see where I think I can give them or help them like I'm going to give them and help them and uh I become you say selfish I become selfish right at the end of my camp and the night of the fight and I told Dan this you know because Dan we were in the same locker room he was getting ready to go out so I love you brother it's all you but I said I'm no disrespect but i really don't give a shit about your fight tonight you know what i mean like i have to worry about mine I have, to, I have to focus on mine i'm not gonna walk out with you i'm gonna give you a hug tell you go get it you know what i mean while we're in the back you walk out go do your thing i'm gonna stay back here and stay focused you know nice, and, and that was a big thing that i just changed not recently um and darren was the one that explained it to me the negative energy like the the, the energy of you know, you getting hyped up. Like if your team, you're watching your teammate and your teammate might lose or something or something happens, like the energy of that, you know what I mean? So I just like, I learned to stay in the back and stay away from it all. So when I'll come out and meet my people and stuff that are there, once the fight starts, that's it. You're not going to see me. I'm in the back. I'm worrying about what I got to do, relaxing, stretching out, doing whatever else I got to do, because I'm the one that I need to win. You know what I mean? That's kind of how I look at it. And I, I the last two fights is where I really kind of adapted that mentality, you know, going into the back. Yeah. I think again, you know, that
0: just speaks to your experience. It's like the theme of this podcast, you know, how long you've been doing this, man, the experience, that's kind of what you learn along the, on, along the way. Right. And along with that, I'm sure the way you even train, the way you eat, that like ha- has it affected, are you a nutrition junkies? I know we talked about middles chips kind of jokingly, but are you a nutrition junkie when it comes time for camp and everything? Oh, uh, no, man, you see me in there. I'm like
1: a slobby Nate Diaz, you know what I mean? I'm not uh, <laughs> Skinny fat. Yeah, I'm a skinny fat guy, you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not some muscle-bound dude. But no, uh, so I really start taking it serious, depending on how, like this, I, so I manage my weight somehow, because I normally walk around at, like, close to 175. Um, I manage my weight extremely well in between these last two fights. So I made the cut to 150 to fight Gaffney. And I only really put on like 10, 13 pounds from that fight. And usually, you know, after a couple of weeks, I'm back up in the seventies. So I didn't have such a hard cut for this one. Not necessarily cut a diet. I didn't, because normally what I do is about four to five weeks out, I start the diet, um, now, when I'm not, when I don't have a fight book, man, I mean like a fat kid in a candy store. Like, <laughs> there's days I'll stop at McDonald's, I'll go to burger, like it doesn't matter, I'll, you know what I mean? But I'm also, I'm one of these guys, I'm one to go 24-7. So the majority of the time, like I'm getting up at, you know, 5, 5.30 in the morning, I'm going out the door, you know what I mean? I'm heading to work, I work all day long. You know, there's days where I don't stop for lunch, you know, if I'm working somewhere where there's nothing around, you know what I mean? I just work right through the day, I don't stop for lunch um so i kind of have a, i guess a high metabolism you know what i mean and then right after i usually get home and i got maybe at the most a half hour here at the house and then i'm leaving and heading to the gym and then i'm at the gym till eight o'clock at night so i normally don't get back home till right around nine you know what i mean and i eat my dinner at nine but uh so as far as you know food goes i eat whatever i want when i want until it comes crunch time and for some reason for me Like when I know I got a diet, I normally take a week to kind of ease into it. And after that week's over, I can just cut everything cold turkey. I can quit drinking beer. I can quit drinking soda. I can quit going and getting fast food. Like I can just cut it, not really think about it. You know, I mean, not really focus on it. The worst part about it is, is I'm kind of a picky eater. I'm a really picky eater, honey. Uh, so like when i'm dieting like i don't like fish you know what i mean i'll eat chicken i'll eat eggs you know what i mean but i kind of stick with the same salads. i kind of stick with the same three meals and you're just like i'm so tired of seeing eggs or i'm so tired of seeing chicken you know what i mean so but not necessarily a like nutritionist guru or anything like that but
0: yeah, that's funny, dude. I wouldn't expect a guy with a pet raccoon to be a picky eater, to be honest with you. But <laughs> uh, No, I am. I, like, I don't like cheese. I don't eat cheese.
1: I hate what? cheese. Dude, yeah. hang on.
0: Hang on. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard somebody say. You
1: don't like cheese? It. Yes, I hate it. So I think it all stems from, I never liked macaroni and cheese when I was a kid. And <laughs> I grew up, obviously, I grew up in the sticks and we got off the school bus at my grandma and pap's right up the road from where I live now and uh my pap was he was a hard ass and he'd have a bowl of macaroni and cheese sitting there at the table and you weren't allowed leaving that table until you ate every piece I'd sit there and eat one noodle at a time go up and go outside throw up and come back in you still weren't allowed to leave the table until you ate that macaroni and cheese <laughs> so I think that was what made me hate the cheese you know what I mean because I just like I love pizza like I pizza and like provolone cheese I can handle but man that American cheese ah that well is hilarious somewhere. I ain't,
0: mean, nah. Dude, so I thought, like, obviously you'd be the most savage member of the Goss family, but it turns out your pap is way more savage. He made, <laughs> made you dislike macaroni and cheese. That's like the ultimate. Oh, yeah.
1: Between, between him and my my, grand, my grandmother's, she's still alive. She's 96. My pap would have passed away when I was only nine years old, but my grandmother's 96. this day and you still can't tell that woman what to do or how to do something because she will get so feisty and fire she's a little old italian lady weighs probably about 90 90 pounds you know what i mean but uh she's just and she just still to this day you'll see her up there sweeping the floors or trying to cook or you know what i mean doing something like she can't sit still and my dad he's a he's a workaholic um he's the one that pretty much instilled you know hard work ethic into me um, and that's my dad and I, we run an excavating business together. He's been in business for himself for like 33, 34 years. And, uh, it wasn't until recently that I went back to work with him, uh, about a, about a little over, about a year and a half ago, I went back to work with him. So, um, like I said, we do, we run, we work for ourselves and run an excavating business together. And, you know, we, we bust our ass all day long. So the work ethic came from definitely came from the, my father's side of the family, um, and my my mother's the same way though she she's somebody who just has to be doing something twenty four seven all the time so you know what I mean we just we're always been a busy active family always so but yeah Graham's a savage she's she's uh I mean she's the backbone of the family she's definitely one when she speaks up everyone shuts up and listens you know yeah the the, the hard assness came from the pat you know what I mean he was he was the hardcore you're gonna do it this way and like it. Or you're not going to do it. You're not going to have
0: this or that. or so. It's funny, and it all kind of adds up, because this is something that I've kind of been waiting to ask you the whole podcast, because anybody who has seen you fight, and it's funny that you kind of said it yourself when you said Isaac called you a savage, you know, that's very much how I would describe your fighting style. It's very obvious. You're one of those dudes who, when you hear that cliche, like, this guy's just born to fight, like, you're that guy. You're that guy that even when somebody beats you, they wish that they didn't have to fight you to do it. Like, you're always that tough fight regardless. Like, when did you know that you enjoyed fighting? What's your earliest recollection of just getting in a fight and being like, okay, that was fun? Not, not the kid that, like, goes home crying, like, hoping he never does that,
1: but being like, oh, shit, that was awesome. So, I've actually never been in a fight outside of a sanctioned fight. Never That's been in crazy. A street fight, never been in a, you know, never been in a schoolyard brawl or anything like that. I just so when I was a little little kid, I uh, I loved pro wrestling. You know what I mean? That was my shit. I loved. I loved, Grew up in the Stone Cold era. You know what I mean? HBK, Drew Rock, loved that shit. Would watch it religiously, and my dad would always be like, "That's stupid. That's stupid. That's fake. That's stupid." But I just loved it. And then as I got older, um, you know. The Ultimate Fighter came out, and you know, I remember watching the first season of that, and I remember you know, just seeing these guys fight, I'm like, oh, man, that's awesome, and, you know, I got into actually amateur, like, school wrestling in elementary school because of professional wrestling. I started that in, like, first or second grade, and uh, I wanted to wrestle, so, I, you know, I went out and I wrestled and wrestled and wrestled, and I just, you know, loved the competition, loved the thrill of that competition, um, but as I got older, you know, I found out, like, oh, there's just, MMA's a real thing, you know what I mean? Like, there's just where they do the shit for real. It ain't, like, where they just put the hold on and make it look like it hurts. Like they're actually trying to hurt them. So I watched it and I literally, like when I was growing up through school, like I learned so much shit off just YouTube. We'd be at wrestling practice or something. and I'd throw somebody in an arm bar. You know what I mean? While we're wrestling just for shits and giggles, like we're dicking around. But uh, so I loved doing it and I was always good at it. And like, we would do like little, you know, grappling matches or whatever. And I would always beat everybody. And I have an older brother who's twice my size. Um, and we would wrestle all the time. And I, would, like as I started getting better, I'd always beat him. You know what I mean? Everyone's like, "Oh, your little brother? He's half your size. He's like, some bitch knows what he's doing, man. He watches all that shit." So as I got old enough, you know, I think I was eighteen. The first time I ever walked into a gym, and uh, I was like, "Yeah, I want to kind of, you know, I just want to try it. Just want to train." And uh, I went out and trained with some pro, then you know, one pro fighters and some amateur fighters, and you know, got my ass kicked. And it was like. Wow, like these guys are really good, and I'm not like I thought I was pretty good, so I guess I better keep coming back. Kind of did it sporadically, but didn't like at the time wasn't like oh I'm kick it off the bucket list. And I don't want to fight. I wasn't until I was 20 where uh, you know I decided like ah uh, you know me and my dad wasn't getting along at the time. I ended up quit where I came and I stopped working together. I went and found another job, and I thought you know I got to do something you know. I don't want to lay around and drink. I was already doing that enough. But I was like, uh, I got to do something with myself. I got to dedicate myself to something. I was like, I've always loved this. I've always you know, loved, enjoyed watching it, always followed it. Why not give it a try? So I actually, I think I first like went back to the gym in like end of September-ish. And I took my first fight November 9th. So I basically trained a month And took a not even, I mean, I took a fight before I had a month of training in. I basically trained for a month and took a fight. And I tell like everybody I tell, is like, I do not recommend doing it that way. Absolutely not. So the very first time I've ever hit pads in my life was when I was warming up for my first fight. (laughs) I never even hit a pad before in my life. So it was mainly just I jumped in head first, you know, like screw it. It's going to be what it's going to be. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll win. Maybe I won't win. I don't know. I just, I want to do it. So I did it. Had a close first flight. And I was like, "Oh well, now I got to win one." You know what I mean? So I went back and you know started training, and then it was just like overnight, something clicked After I started training a little while, and um, you know I put like another two months into training, took my second flight. and then from there on, it just started going, and I started winning. And I'm like, oh, "I guess maybe I'm actually kind of decent at this." Like, "Let's well, see how far it goes." And now I'm in too deep to back out. You know what I mean? I'm mean, just been in it too long, but you definitely hit that surge where you like, you're like, oh man, you just feel burnt out. You just feel like, ah, oh, you don't want to do it no more. You just want to take a break from it. And, uh, you know, you, and you do, you get that feeling. Um, like after this, this last fight, I haven't been back to the gym yet. You know, I'm actually taking, I was taking two weeks off, but I got, I'm covered in poison Ivy right now. So I might end up having to take another week off. Cause I'm sure they ain't going to appreciate me rolling around with them with poison <laughs> Ivy. Me. Sure. So but, yeah, I mean, I have to take – after the Gaffney fight, I took two weeks off, two straight weeks off, and I come back and never felt like I missed a beat. I mean, conditioning-wise, cardio-wise, like I started sparring again. First day we were back in the gym, I moved around and stuff. Like, man, I feel great. Like, I can't believe I feel this great after two weeks off. Darren's like, you know what that means? It means you needed it, you know? Yeah. So definitely, like, recovery time, I guess, mental recovery time is a big thing like i'm I'm not afraid to take especially after a fight i'm not afraid to take a few weeks off and just enjoy myself you know what i mean and catch up i shouldn't even say enjoy myself i catch up on everything i put behind you know what i mean before while, while i'm getting ready for a fight because when, you, when you're fighting that's got to be about your number one priority you can't have outside distractions you can't you can't let things get to you, you got it you have to make sure you're at the gym you have to make sure you're there to work and train and, and do the best you can do that day you're there so yeah i think
0: something really interesting too about your method it's hilarious first of all that you said the first time you ever hit pads was before your first fight that's just hilarious but given that
1: yeah (laughs) i was missing them left and right like it was bad
0: i was going to say at what point were you like hey just just put those away i don't need those i'm not going to warm up with those like let's not do this but it's funny because coming up you mentioned like the level of competition you faced which is absolutely true you haven't, the way, and especially, you know, the way you fight, the people you fought, the relative lack of inexperience that you had at the beginning, you haven't taken a ton of damage along the way, it seems like. Like in your losses, you know, you're not getting flatline, knock, knocked out or choked unconscious the majority of the time. You know, they're mostly competitive scraps. Like how – what do you think that comes from, that ability to kind of just absorb damage or avoid damage in the first place for you, the kind of like the fighting instinct?
1: Like where, where do you think that comes from for you? Um, you know, for me, I'm just I'm, like when I first went to the gym, when I first, like the very first day I walked in the gym, I trained with a kid named Tyler Saltzman, which he beat. He was the only guy that beat Jerrell Hodge mm-hmm. as an I remember,
0: I remember him for sure. He was yeah. a beast. Mousey little Asian guy. Yeah. Yep.
1: Uh, <laughs> one of the toughest sons of bitches I've ever met in my life. And, uh, I remember the first day I walked in the gym, he made me spar him. And I did three. He was getting ready for his pro debut against Chuck Gathers, who I ended up training with later, you know, a couple of years later. But uh, he was getting ready for his fight with Gathers. And he made me do three five minute rounds with him. And I, like, I'm a kid walking off the street, you know what I mean? Not really having much formal training, a little bit of a wrestling, uh, you know, a, a wrestling background. But of course, he was a four time state champ out of New Hampshire. So he was 10 times the wrestler. I was. But walked off the street he made me put mma gloves and shin guards on and i mma sparred him for three five minute rounds and he submitted me you know what i mean It made me tap and, you know and it, once i tapped you know he'd let go we'd start over again i went the three 15 or the the full 15 minutes with him and i was ready to die <laughs> and he looked i remember him looking at me you know after the round ended the last round and he looked at me and he said I just gained a lot of respect for you because you're one of the only guys that just went a full 15 minutes with me without quitting. And I just remember looking at him, and being like, "Man, I don't want you to think I was a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, don't want to tap out the strikes. Like I'm, I'm already at the point where I'm getting pounded ones. I might as well just gonna be what it's gonna be. You know what I mean? But um, as far as like you say de- taking damage, I've just I've obviously I don't like getting hit. You know, nobody likes getting hit. But I know it's you know it's gonna happen. But when, like, when somebody, like, if I do get hit, like, it normally kind of clicks into me, like, all right, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, hey, it's on, like, let's do it. Um, kind of gets me a little bit more amped up and excited. Um, De Jesus was the first guy that's ever finished me with strikes. And that still irks me to this day because I went, I don't know, 20-some fights until somebody finally did it. Um, but, you know, that was – that's what happens when you show up not mentally prepared. You know what I mean. That's just I wasn't mentally there. It was not my performance. Um, it's not how I usually fight. Um, I don't know what was wrong, but it just it is what it is. I look back on it now, and I you know try to change it and make it better. And since then, John and I have trained together a good bit of times. Um, and John's just that kid's a monster. I mean, he's just a, he's a killer. I just sparred him a week before my fight, you know, and he's throwing flying knees and shit while I we're sparring. I'm like, dude, man, you're crazy. I only have a week out from a fight. Like, you're trying to kill me in here. But John, John fights how he spars. Like, he's just, he's a, he is one tough dude, mentally tough dude. And I'll give him that. But, uh, yeah, it, it that was the first time I got finished with strikes, you know, throughout my whole amateur career, throughout my whole, pro career. And the only time I've been finished with strikes and that was mainly, you know, he, he kicked the shit out of my leg, like eight, nine times. That nah, was, I'd rather get punched in the face and get kicked in the leg, man. Am, some of them leg kicks are brutal. But, uh, another thing that threw me off in the John fight was I broke my finger in like a minute and a half or two minutes into the fight, I got caught in the fence and my finger snapped and was shaped in a V and I couldn't make a fist out of my left hand. And, uh, you know, I couldn't grab anything, I couldn't make a fist, and I just remember thinking like, "Oh my God, like I am up ship trick now, like I' just like the only thing I can do is just survive like I don't know what else. I don't you know what I mean, and it just totally like shut me down mentally at that time, but uh, as far as that, you know, I just always adapted a style where i don't I don't get hit very often. you know I have pretty good head movement um i'm I'm able to play the range game, you know very well against against certain guys and stuff and you know when i can find my range and i can find my timing um i'm extremely hard to extremely hard to connect with and extremely hard to hit um and it's just I, to me i don't i don't know if maybe it's na- somewhat natural i don't know um but so since i haven't taken that much damage you know i feel like that might be part of the reason why i'm just coming into my prime as i've come out of fights where i felt like i never even was in a fight you know what i mean even the pseudo fight for what it was like other than I think he landed two good leg kicks, you know, other than them two little good leg kicks. That was the only sore spot I had on me. You know, the rest of me was not, I didn't have any marks on my face. I wasn't sore. You know what I mean? Nothing really hurt other than them couple leg kicks that he landed. You know, of course you don't feel them till after the fight it's over. So, but I don't know. It just
0: seems to work out that way. It's pretty funny, man. So, the Wolverine nickname is obviously very fitting in that regard the ability to heal and take damage and everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's funny because you mentioned De Jesus being the guy who finished you. And that's again, like, if any listener isn't familiar with John De Jesus' career, like, that's what he does to people. He's a phenomenal striker. Like, getting finished by him is there's no shame in that at all. And I would throw, you know, comma obviously being another guy in that realm, obviously owning the Academy and everything. I've heard stories of people sparring with comma who are high level strikers in their own regard and just being like the way comma strikes is so different. And I just cannot figure it out for the life of me. Like he tears me up in training.
1: Have you, yeah. have, 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 you worked with comma
0: before in the gym?
1: Yes. Yeah. I just sparred him uh, the other week too. And I've worked with him at mad factor and grappled with him and stuff. Um, comma is like when so when you watch comma on film you're like man dude he's like i don't get how good he is he's just he looks so stiff like he does everything he does is just so but dude he can punch you from across the room with that reach he has and yeah, i'm going yeah. with him and comma was like working with me and dude he was tearing me up so i went out there I'll be, I'll be honest with you man i went out there the week before the fight and everybody tore me up out there i mean i'm like oh shit you know, and I'm a week out from fight. Like this ain't like, I don't want to have that be my last spar. you know? So I had to go back to the gym, you know, a night or two later and be like, okay, like we're moving tonight because I got to get that, you know, bad spar out of my system and get my good spar back to where I feel good and I'm moving good. But comma is so long and he hits so hard when he doesn't even try to hit you hard. You know, I'm moving with him and he's like, pop and his faints. Like, he faints, he faints, he faints. And I was biting on the faints. And he's like, no, man, when I'm fainting, you got to go. You should punch me right in the mouth, man. She hit me. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, okay. Like, trying to hit him. I still can't hit him. You know what I mean? I'm like, damn. comma is, I don't know how that dude ever made 145 because he is massive at 55. He is a big son of a bitch. And uh, he just has raw power and his length and his timing. You know what I mean? He's got a damn good jab. He's just very, very, very good. You know, a lot better. Like I said, so much better than he looks on film because he looks so stiff. You know what I mean when you watch him. He looks like he's so stiff, and he looks like like when he throws his kicks, like he doesn't turn his kicks out. It's like, man, like how could you not? How could somebody like that get better? Like get the better of you, man? I'm going out, I'm like, you know, I get I get kicked in the head, and I'm like, shit. Like this is, this is way better than he looks on on film. I'm like, man but yeah his speed his athleticism his timing you know and uh his range and his power he's just just i mean there's there's a reason why he's in the UFC and that's it and yeah, uh, yeah. another one of those guys that fought anybody anytime any place anywhere went to their guys backyard hometown and you know eventually that shit pays off you know i, I you don't have to have the perfect polished record you know to be in the UFC or or Bellator you don't have to be the 12 and 0 undefeated hero. I mean, what good's 12 and 0, if you're beating guys that are two and five, two and eight, you know, the whole entire career, What what good's that, you know, when you're 14 and six or whatever comma was, when he got signed, he's beating dudes that are seven and one, eight and two, you know, 10 and 0. Like that to me, that's a fighter. That's a guy that deserves to be where he's going, you know, and that's what gets frustrating sometimes seeing, you know, Bellator and places like that sign kids that, that never even fought a dude with a winning record as an amateur. You know what I mean? But they signed him right to a pro fight. And it's like, it it gets frustrating because you like, you didn't earn your way. You know what I mean? You just, you had the right, you had the right ties to get to where you're at, but you did not earn that. You know what I mean? We're guys like John DeJesus and Kama and myself, like we're the dangerous motherfuckers. You know what I mean? Because we've been in there with the wolves. We've been in there with the lions we're the ones that can go in there with anybody and compete with anybody. You know what I mean? When you send these guys that haven't faced that, haven't seen that adversity yet in a fight, you send them in there against somebody that's stone cool killer, you know what I mean? Then you're going to find out who they are and what they're made of. Yeah. And that's,
0: that's perfect because that's exactly what I was going to lead into because Kama had a very similar uh, to me, a very similar pro and amateur career to you where, you know, he would win one, lose one, win one, lose one. He had some, crazy tough losses in there as well you know dude fought freaking Paul Felder of all yeah. people like locally that's a crazy local fight but that's how it was in Pittsburgh at that time and it was amazing do you kind of look at Kama and want to emulate where he's gone since then or is kind of like the 247 gold just all that's on your mind right now and you're not even thinking of Bellator and a second chance of Bellator UFC like where are you right now career-wise in terms of your goals
1: the the, the championship belt for sure um I know that you know what I mean when you become a promotional champion as a professional, you know what I mean and, you, and you're stringing together wins obviously I know Bellators and UFC's come, like that's coming, you know what I mean that's coming so like when you set these goals, you know what I mean obviously yeah the main goal for most fighters is I want to be the UFC champion of the world or I want to be Bellator champion of the world. yeah, that's everybody's goal, you're right, but you have to set goals. And then you have to set reality goals. You know what I mean? So you have to do it in steps. So at first, maybe it's like, I want to win an amateur championship. Okay, I did that twice. Then it's like, all right, well, now I want to turn pro. You, know, you turn pro, that's another goal. You know what I mean? You turn pro, now you need to get pro wins. So now you start winning as a pro. You know what I mean? And so after you get that experience as a pro, then it's like, okay, I want to become a pro champion. Then I become that pro champion. So now I'm a world champion under a prom- under a promotion you know from there on whether it's defend your title or go win another pro title and another promotion, whatever it might be, it's it's all you got one ultimate goal and you got baby steps to get there. So to me, like I don't really think about the Bellator thing. I don't think about UFC. You know what I mean? I, I kind of I got one goal in mind and that's what I'm that's what I'm after. And uh you know I know what I know what I need to do to get there. And I know what kind of steps I need to take to get there and what ways I need to go about things to get there. And uh, that's my next thing for me personally. Now, for other people, I don't know. I can't speak for them. But for me personally, that's what my next goal, absolute goal is. It's I want to be the 24-7 world featherweight champion. So That's beautiful, man.
0: 24-7 featherweight champion or sponsored by Middlesworth. Which one are you taking?
1: Oh, hmm. no, it gives you free chips if they sponsor you. Oh, 100%. You have to get free chips. <laughs> no, definitely, definitely the belt. Um, you know, the biggest thing that I've always said about titles, you know, because I've always been asked time and time and time again is like, man, why do you want to do that? Why do you want to do that? Why do you want to do that yourself? Why do you want to put your body through that? And the main answer that I've always found and that always shut these people up that ask you all these questions is because what I'm after. Money cannot buy what I'm chasing. The amount of money in the world can't buy because what I'm going to get is what I've earned. Mm. It's because what I've worked my ass off for It's because what I've dedicated the last 10 years of my life for, that's what I'm after. You know what I mean? And to me, that's something money can't buy. That's something that, you know, no matter what else is going on in the world, I earned that. I achieved that goal. I accepted, you know what I mean? Everything that went wrong, everything that went right. I took it all in once. And I've done everything I could do to get there to earn that right. And, uh, you know, every time I've, I've said that to people, you know, because when I'm after money can't buy, and when they ask me their questions, they're all, oh, that's a really good answer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it is, but that's also the honest of God truth for me. Like to me, it's it's not about, you know, all the other bullshit that's involved with it. It's just like when I accomplish one of these goals, you know, I did that. I did that with the help of a great team. I did it with the help of great people around me. Um, but I've earned that. And I've always been somebody that I've earned everything I've ever had. I've had to work my ass off for everything I've ever had. I had to build things, you know, whatever I needed, whatever I had to do um, to get what I wanted to get, you know, and then you always got people uh, who well, must be nice, must be nice. Like, yeah, yeah, it is nice when you bust your ass while you're out doing you know what i mean you're out partying in the bars and shit and i'm not i'm not going there because i'm you know i gotta be at the gym in the morning you know what i mean like i put the time in. i put the sacrifice in i've earned what i what i've earned so
0: yeah i think the good news is man anybody who knows with ethan goss definitely knows like nobody's questioning your work ethic ever or your ability to bring the fight ever like we know kind of what path you're on and who you are as a fighter man it's obviously it's a pleasure to watch you get in there but it's even a bigger pleasure for me personally to talk to you and get to crack into your mentality a little bit because before i thought you were just this crazy country kid like from the same area i'm from i know plenty of guys like that i'm like ah, i just another one of those guys but no man I, you're you're exceptional you know mentally and everything i think where you're going is exciting and i'm i'm definitely just i'm stoked to watch where your career unfolds from here man how long you been around the scene dude i started working for bleacher report so i actually started covering ufc and stuff first yeah when i was still in college that was around 2010 But I covered some pinnacle Pinnacle shows, um, just local West Virginia shows, because I went to WVU. So when Mm -hmm. uh, Cage Power and Cage Fury and those guys would come to West Virginia, I would cover those shows. So I've covered regional shows for a long time. Talked to primarily like Cherico and Adam Milstead Mm -hmm. and those guys in this area. Dempsey, of course. And yeah man I've just been poking around but now kind of taking on a bigger role with 247 and helping them grow and everything. I my background's crazy dude in that regard. I worked for Flow Sports for a long time as well so I covered I, oh, shit. Yeah, I helped them. How we never
1: crossed paths man. That's
0: what I'm saying and from yeah, you know basically – like one of my best friends went to Huntington and it was funny because I, I said, uh, I post about the fights, obviously when I was there in Johnstown, he was like, dude, this is crazy. Like I didn't go to school with Ethan Goss, but I know who he is. Like from going to Huntington, I knew he went to Juniata Valley. To, oh, yeah. 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 His uh, name's who, Jesse who Cox. Jesse Cox is his name. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I know him. That's hilarious. Yeah, like I'm not like
1: I never like I don't know him on a personal level, but I know of him. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's what he said about you. He's like, dude, I don't actually know him, but I know that I've heard of him. And I've like followed his career because it's cool. He's like the guy from our area doing the thing. So yeah, dude, I don't know how
1: our paths have never crossed. It doesn't really make yeah. sense. <laughs> it blows definitely blows my mind, especially you've been around about as long as I've been around. You know what I mean? Yeah. We never crossed that path, but uh hey we are now though <laughs> hey hey i got i get on
0: when, when the gravy train's coming you know now that now that you're fighting for gold i'm like oh shit it's time to talk to ethan now <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah like i know you like i knew you talked to uh caden there at the fights yeah because uh, like you know straight bummer that he wasn't able to fight mm. um because that kid's uh, that kid is he's just gifted you know what i mean he's just one of them kids whatever he does he's great at you know um but, like, you know, like he he said to me many times, like you said in your interview, you know, he's like, "Hey, man, I'd rather not fight and see you win, you know what I mean, than me fight like he I mean that's just kind of a team player how he is and stuff and you know, but I'm excited for him, you know, and his wrestling career coming up because he's a hammer on the mat, and uh you know, I know he's gonna be a hammer in a cage, mm-hmm. obviously, everybody's seen that in his first fight, but Yeah, same man.
0: His his character impressed the hell out of me after that whole debacle because so many, you know, 20-year-old kids, state champion wrestler, got the world at their fingertips, it seems like. He could have been arrogant he could have really rubbed it in that kid's face for not showing up and played it played it up but he did the exact opposite man and that said a lot I think about who he is and how serious he does take this and like you said how much of a team player he is like he's, he must have said it 50 times when we were talking like I'm just happy to be here for Ethan now and like be it support the team and everything it's crazy to see him do that but it's also encouraging to hear that he's exactly what people think in the gym too in terms of his potential
1: yeah. Like, like he said in that interview, I mean, we all mess with each other, hardcore grill house. Like we're all ragging on each other and picking on each other. And, you know, I've worked with Kate now for the last couple of years and, uh, you know, he went and won a state, he went, won the state gold at, uh, Hershey. And then two weeks later, he'd come back to the gym. And I said, bring the gold medal boy. Cause you and I are wrestling. <laughs> and, uh, we, like we would too. We would wrestle, we would wrestle a full, you know, folk style match. And, uh, I gave him a tougher match than the kid in the state finals did. I think he beat me by the first time we wrestled. He beat me in like sudden death every time. The second time we wrestled, he beat me by four points. Nice, but, you know. And then him and I, he'd be like, "Let's do a Greco match." He's like, all right, let's do a Greco match. And then I'd beat him in a Greco match. And then we want to do a freestyle. You know what I mean? Like we, we just pick it on each other, mess on each other all the time. But at the end of the day, like I got his back to the end. He's got my back to the end. Um, and the same with the rest of them. You know, same with Sydney. Same with Cam. Same with Sheldon. Same with Jordan. It's coming up. Jordan, I, you guys are gonna love seeing this kid. come. I mean, he's supposed to fight in the Johnstown card. That kid is very, very good. For not, I mean, he's been in the gym. I trained with him since he was fourteen years old. You know, he started training around when he was twelve because his dad, his dad was a fighter. His dad used to fight. But uh, you know, he's gonna be exciting. And he he came a long way just in a few short months you know, that he put in time with us. And, you know, I, like, I talked to him and told him like, dude, if this is what you want to do, you got to put all that other shit in the back burner. Like this is what you got to focus on. And he did it. You know what I mean? That was what his main focus was. And I felt so bad for him when his dude no showed. And I'm like, Oh man, like you missed your moment. But like I said, the longer you make this kid wait, him and Caden both, the longer you make them two wait, the worse it's going (laughs) to be on you. Them two kids are phenoms.
0: It's crazy to see that, and it's obviously super exciting for, for fans, for promotions to have kids like that coming up, you know, and it's, it's awesome to know, too, that there's guys like you in the gym with them helping bring them along because I'm sure you're not just teaching them techniques, but you're also helping bring them along on the business side of things. It's a whole different world, man, once you start getting into fight promotion, how to carry yourself, how to handle it when, you're, when your opponent drops out on the day away ins things like that. Like the, just the amount of experience you're able to bring to them, I'm sure they're insanely appreciative of.
1: Yeah. I mean, like I kind of big brother them, you know what I mean? At the gym, like I'm, obviously I've been there and I've done it. And I've always told any, even the guys from the shop because um, we worked with them some and like Krause, you know, I told him and I knew he was cutting a 205. I was, Hey man, you know, if you, you want any advice, you need any help, like, feel free to ask. And he reached out to me a couple of times asking me, you know, how to go about things and stuff. And, Like I said, it's just part of giving back, you know what I mean? So I talked to him and, and, uh, Jericho did the exact same thing for me. You know what I mean? When I was an amateur and I might've had questions with cut weight and I talked to Mark and Mark would tell me like stuff he did. And, uh, so I'm just doing the same thing other guys did for me. But like, as far as the gym, like, you know, with the fighters that we have in the gym, I kind of like play the big brother role, you know, especially to Cam and Sydney. Um, you know, if they got questions or if they have any, like I gave the advice I gave Cam, you know, was like, listen, man, I want to see 10 amateur fights out of you. And I want to see you fight the best of the best. You know what I mean? Get your feet wet, get a couple wins and start taking down the, the heavy hitters. You know what I mean? And look at what the kid's doing. Knocked down Christian or took out Christian Bovey, took out Justin Patton, took out Asher Frederick. Like there's, right, there's three of the top guys, one of the top guys in Ohio, two of the top guys in the state of PA you know what I mean? And he was the one we were worried about when he first fought. Like, we thought he was going to freeze and be a deer in the headlights and, like, be all nervous and shit and not let the kid comes out. He's like – and he just beats people up. I'm like, dude, like, how are you so good at this? He you, you so good at this?
0: <laughs> That's so, hilarious. That's exactly what I thought after his last win over Asher. You know, it seemed like that was – he was coming off a string of decisions where people are like, okay, we know he's like a super polished grappler and everything. Can he finish a fight? Can he finish a dude? And then he taps Asher in the first round. It's like, man, like how good is Cam? Like that's, I'm still wondering that that's a genuine, that's not a rhetorical question. I don't, and I don't expect you to be able to answer it, but like, I'm just, yeah, I'm still wondering like how good can Cam be?
1: So, I mean, when you look at him, like he looks like this little bookworm, you know what I mean, he's got the real, I mean, he's blind as a bat. You put his glasses on, I can't see my fingers in front of my face. <laughs> he's got these folded up cauliflower ears. And, uh, but he is just tough, tough, tough. And uh, so, like, when he was getting ready for his first fight, like, I told him when we started moving one day, I was like, all right, dude, I'm gonna, we're going to make you break you today. I'm going to see what you're made of. And, uh, you know, I poured the pressure on him. You know, as long as the rounds went, you know, I backed the power off but kept the volume on him, and that kid would not quit. He wouldn't quit shooting for – I mean, he couldn't at the time, he couldn't take me down. He couldn't – you know what I mean? He couldn't strike with me. And it's like he just, just stayed in there and took the beat, and I'm like, all right, I'm like, yeah, you got that. I'm like, I'll give you that. Does it
0: come full circle? For Is that like you versus Saltzman, you feel like? Kind of, you know.
1: Cam has gotten so much better you know, tremendously better. And like, and then the crazy part is nobody's even seen the kid striking yet. Like he's a, he's a banger. He can bang him. And I have had some, I watched our 185 pounder hit him with a right hand and set him the whole way across the cage where he bounced off the fence and then literally smiles and laughs about it and comes back out and throw down with him. Like the kid's a banger and he's got it. like a hell of a chin on him. You know what I mean? For as much as I've seen him get hit with shit, like he is just one tough kid. Um, he, of course, we always joke about who beat 2 and Jim wars. He never lost a sparring round and all this stuff. <laughs> like, uh, but he's just, yeah, everything just comes full circle. And now him and I are at the point where we are so competitive with one another. Like if we're going, like, and I tap him with something and he gets like, he gets mad. You know what I mean? He gets mad at himself and he's like, well, I'm actually trying against you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he's just gotten so much better, you know? And now that we know each other's styles and stuff, we just, you know, become so competitive. Yeah, it's, it's, when,
0: we, when we do have goes, It's awesome to see, man. And I can't wait for that next group. Like you said, Jordan and Caden, obviously, we're super excited to see what they can do as well, man. And, and obviously you, you know, that's that's kind of the great thing about where the scene is right now. I feel like you've got that talent top to bottom right now, I'm a, like never before. You mm-hmm. know, before we mentioned it quite a few times, you know, like Kama versus Paul Felder. You had Cherico. You had Adam Milstead Demps. You had all these guys that went on to do great things. But those cards were always super top heavy. Don Mazzotta obviously went on to do yeah. great things and was always a staple. But it nowadays the cards have such depth to them, where like even the amateur fights are incredibly high level, and, and guys like Cam, like Sid, Sidney Ross, where it's like you can still see a future for these people coming up. So it's it's just crazy to see the depth of talent for me, like oh, yeah. as a fan. But I'm sure That's you true. feel it as well in the gym, like seeing these young kids coming up and just knowing what's coming for the scene.
1: Yeah. So like, definitely. I mean, when I was coming up through, I didn't really have um, very many training partners. I mean, it was a while where it was just me and one other guy. Um, And he was just a hobbyist that, you know, enjoyed it and um, helped me out all the time. You know what I mean? He would just come into the gym four or five days a week and just work out with me. And um, I was definitely a lot more advanced than he was skill set wise. So he would come in and he, you know, and then he would get mad at himself because he didn't think he was giving me work. And I was like, hey man, I'm sweating, I'm working. You know. <laughs> so what and that's where, you know, it comes into play for like Cam and Sydney and Jordan and, and Caden and all these guys Sheldon and them, like they're they get to work with a bunch of other fighters where I didn't have that, you know, coming up. Because when I first got started, it wasn't really wasn't really that big in our area. Um so you know, these guys have other people guiding them other people pushing them other people to spar with and work with and deal with where i really didn't have that um and i always kind of wonder like wonder how good i would have been quicker if i would had all that you know what i mean if i was able to have four or five different guys to choose from you know what i mean to grapple with and strike with and, and box with and whatever um but you know it is what it is i don't you know what i mean i don't have no animosity towards it or anything it just i wish i would have had what they had coming through but i'm also more than happy to give them what i didn't have you know what i mean Mm -hmm. to to be able to give them the knowledge and the experience that i wasn't able to get from because i just didn't have that many people around me um that that makes me more than more than happy and if if i never make it you know what i mean if i never get the call if i never win a win a world title if I never get there, I'll be just as happy to see one of them do it. You know what I mean? I'll be just as happy for them as I would be for myself if that happens. So,
0: yeah, that's awesome to hear, man. That's very, very mature viewpoint. But like, like you said, man, we like where you're going. Obviously, it's seen, it feels like you're just in the prime of your career. That's not just you saying, you know, every fighter wants to say the best I ever felt. But, I mean, we can see it in your performances. Anybody that's watched you fight and seen your last two fights can see it in your performances, man. So I'm excited for the next one, brother. And I'm going to cut this podcast off before we devolve more into, you know, raising raccoons and eating Middlesworth. Because I can tell that's where it's going already. But uh, man, we'll do a part two soon. How about that? All right, All right, Sounds good, brother. Yeah. All right, man. I appreciate the time, dude. And, and like I said, look forward to the next step uh, big time. All right, man. Thank you. Hey, God bless you. Have a good night. Thanks, man. You too. Take care of Ivy. I will. <laughs>